Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital and AstraZeneca. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a patient perspective on breast cancer with breast cancer survivor Claudine Mori. Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine. So I am so excited about this show because Claudine is one of the most courageous, positive, incredibly inspiring people I know. And so maybe we can start with your story, Claudine. Take us back, you know, what is it now, seven years and start the story with, you know, once upon a time, I was perfectly well. And then dot, dot, dot. Once upon a time, I was the picture of health. Um, I had never seen the inside of a hospital. And that was um, June 5th, 2014, was the day I found my lump, which was two days after I had my yearly checkup and had a clean bill of health and scheduled my routine mammogram for two months later. So how old were you at that point, Claudine? I was 42. You were 42. You had just gone to the doctor. You had gotten a clean bill of health and you found this lump like just on a on a physical exam, on your own self-breast exam? Sitting on my couch watching Jeopardy. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know what it it was literally the right next to my breastbone. It almost felt, I have no idea what made me even um, reach up. I don't know if it hurt. I don't know why, um, but it felt like it was the size of a pea. And I said to my husband, I think I just found a lump. And I, I was one of those people that didn't believe in uh, self examinations because I was like, I don't know. How would you know what a lump feels like? Like it it all feels the same. It feels, I have dense breast tissue. So to me, I don't know, but let me tell you, you know, your body better than anybody else. When you feel something that doesn't seem right or doesn't feel like it should be there, just trust your gut because you know yourself best. And that is so important, right? Like you didn't kind of blow it off and say, well, you know, the doctor said I was fine two days ago, so I must be fine. You kind of said, no, like I know me and this doesn't feel like me. Well, I gave it a, f- I, you know what? I said, hey, maybe it has something, maybe it's, maybe, it, maybe it'll go away. Um, yeah. So I think I gave it two weeks and it yeah. was still there. And then I made the phone call, um, went in for another checkup got the diagnostic, uh, the um, prescription for the diagnostic ultrasound, went in, got the ultrasound same day, which I know is extremely unusual. I, 30 minutes later, they were doing a biopsy. Um, Did that freak you out? No, I asked, see, and and you'll find, you're going to hear later. um, That's because my work schedule was off the chart. And I was panicking that I wouldn't, I didn't know when I was going to be able to schedule the time for a biopsy. So I said, you know what? It was a Friday afternoon. It was two o'clock. I said, can we do it now? Because I knew, (laughs) um, well, I knew that it was my best shot. So they called my doctor. She put the, the, you know, she put it into the system. 
the approval yeah. to have the biopsy. And, um, and yeah, the nurse held my hand while I got the biopsy. Um, and that was a Friday. Um, I don't remember how many days it took, but unfortunately I don't recommend that process to anyone because I kind of bucked the system. That's not, I guess how it, and what do I know? I knew, I knew nothing about any of this and nobody does until they're unfortunately thrust into, um, the world of cancer. But I guess the typical process is if you find something, you're supposed to set up an appointment with a breast surgeon. Um, you see them first, you do the biopsy so that when the results come back, they get the results and they read the results to you and they explain whatever the results are. That yeah. didn't happen in my case. Um, so and to be honest, you know, a lot of people get their diagnosis exactly the way you did. You know, okay. they go for their imaging, they get a biopsy, and then they go and see the breast surgeon who has to explain to them what exactly this is in English. But, I mean, it's all good. And I love the fact that you advocated for yourself and, and you kind of said, look, you know, I don't know when I'm going to be able to come back. Can we do this now? I, I, I think it's so great when patients can kind of speak up. Um, so when you have to, you absolutely have to, you have to be your own best advocate. Yeah. So you get the biopsy. It's a Friday afternoon. How was that weekend for you? Um, uh, you know, uh, scary. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, when the, um, technician was doing the ultrasound, I asked them to turn this, I could see their face. I knew you, you know. And I knew something wasn't right. They kept going over the same spot over and over and over. And then she got the doctor to come in. Um, so I'm like, okay, this isn't good. Yeah. And I asked what they were looking at and they turned the screen and I looked at the screen and it looked like a cartoon. It looked like one of those splat um, where they have like a caption, but yeah. the splat is like very jagged. Yeah. Um, that's what it looked like. And then there was a little, I called it like a little arm. Yeah. And it was reaching out to something else. Yeah. So I said, mm, okay, that doesn't look good. So, you know, I, I say this over and over, trust your gut, your, your intuition knows. Yeah. And I, I knew. Um, so I wasn't surprised when the doctor called me and stayed in her office late for me to get there. So she could tell me, um, good for you, good for her. So, so, yeah. So she called you into the office and you had a conversation in the office. Yes. Yes. Um, it was, it was five thirty, six o'clock. It might've been six oh o'clock by the time I actually saw her. Um, and she had told me you have breast cancer. I'm, you know, and, and of course she, she was very, very kind and tried to deliver the news as best as possible. But of course that's the worst news you could ever have. You have breast cancer. Who wants to hear those words? Yeah. Um, and then I had called my husband on the way. So I had told him, okay, she wants me to come in and she's waiting. So I said, it's probably not good news. So when I came home, I think he, ex he knew what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, and I remember we were sitting in the kitchen and I'm going to tell you, this was the most life-changing experience, um, I probably have ever had. Um, we were sitting there and kind of just trying to absorb the fact that this was reality, our reality. And I remember looking up and I remember asking the question in my mind, why me? Yeah. 
And I'm immediately got an answer. And it said, because you have something to learn. Wow. And it was, when I tell you it rocked my world, I will tell you, it was literally like somebody slapped me in the face. And I said, okay, I have something to learn. And I just said, all right, game on, let's go. And literally, I feel like I feel like I was the running back in the football team that said, all right, give me the ball and I'm going to go and I'm going to get over the finish line. I don't care how I get there. I'm putting my head down. I'm holding that ball as close to my chest and I'm getting over that finish line. Good and that's for you. literally, I feel like how I took on cancer. I just Good said- for you. I love that. Not going to beat me. This is not, you know, cancer- Come on, game on. You took this on. You're not going to beat me. And the day I met you, I knew, I'm telling you, I feel like my doctors, my team of doctors was picked from like my angels above because I did no research. I didn't know anything. I didn't want to look online because honestly, you look anything on the internet. If you start researching cancer, it's just a black hole of um, fear. And that's just not where you want your mind to be because you don't know, like that stuff doesn't pertain to you. And why put that stuff in your head? Because it's just going to feed negativity and fear into your, into you. That is the last thing you need. So I didn't do any research. I didn't know anything about you. I didn't know anything about my oncologist, my plastic surgeon, nothing. And I literally feel like I had the A-team of doctors. I just absolutely loved every single one of you. Each one of you was exactly what I needed. You were the personality I needed. You were my cheerleader. My um, plastic surgeon just was the most patient and, and he needed to be patient because unfortunately he and I saw each other a lot because I had four surgeries with him. Um, so <laughs> thank God, uh, he was as wonderful as he is. And my oncologist was a complete straight shooter because she had to deliver some, you know, the news that no woman wants to hear. And she listened to, you know, when, after, after you removed all my cancer from me and the reconstruction surgery was done um, you know, I'm sitting in the room of oncology and that's when you get the, that's when you find out how bad your cancer really was. And she told me what I didn't want to hear that I was going to need chemo. So let's, let's take the story back a little bit, Claudine. So, so you get home from your doctor's office and you're sitting in the kitchen with your husband and what happened at that point? At that point, did they make appointments for you to see the breast surgeon and the oncologist and the radiation oncologist? Or how did things kind of evolve? I didn't have that for a few days. So um, it took a while to get an appointment with you. It took at least three days just to get someone that had an opening quickly. Um, so it was eight days later that I, I met you and came into your office. And... And talk a little bit about that appointment. Like what, what advice do you have 
for women who are in that situation, who have just been given this advice or this news that they've got breast cancer and they're getting ready to go and see the breast surgeon and they feel like their world has just been tipped upside down. Tell us about that visit and and advice that you have for people. I would say to stay off the internet. That's number one, because like I said, it's just, you don't know. And until you speak to your doctor, I think if you want to do some research after you speak to your doctor, then I think that's fine. But until you speak to someone professionally, you don't, you're not a doctor. You're not a doctor. You know, you can't just go on WebMD and find out, you know, um, the answers to all your questions. Yeah. I think it's great to speak to other people that have had breast cancer yeah. um, because they will give you the best advice and the most honest advice um, because it's really scary. Going into that appointment is just very scary. Um, and Did I you bring somebody with you? Yes. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. I recommend to bring someone with you um, to record the appointment because you are in a fog. Um, so absolutely have someone with you to ask the questions and maybe they do the research, um, you know, because maybe they're the ones that have more questions and, you know, so that you have an advocate with you because you're really, you're just, um, you're a little in shell shock when I was talking to you. So that's what I would say. Yeah. And make sure that you really ask all your questions and that you don't kind of, it's okay to say, I don't understand what you just said. Can you say that in English? Right. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of people, they think that they're supposed to be so smart. And and it's so important that you actually understand what your doctor is saying. And, and if you don't, speak up. Exactly. Because all of this is new voc- vocabulary. You have, n- I had no idea what any of this was. Yeah. So- And you were incredible just the way that you handled telling me my options, my diagnosis, my options. And, you know, if I made a decision that day, I was, I was okay to change that decision. If I needed to ask you more questions, you were there for me. And that is so important. And let me tell you, if you do not feel that that doctor is good for you, you're going to know, go see somebody else, get a second. Exactly. Such good information. We're going to pick up this story right after we take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about Claudine's story. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, dedicated to advancing options and providing hope for people living with cancer. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. There are over 16.9 million cancer survivors in the U.S. and over 240,000 here in Connecticut. Completing treatment for cancer is a very exciting milestone, but cancer and its treatment can be a life-changing experience. The return to normal activities and relationships may be difficult, and cancer survivors may face other long-term side effects of cancer, including heart problems, osteoporosis, fertility issues, and an increased risk of second cancers. Resources for cancer survivors are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as the Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital, to keep cancer survivors well and focused on healthy living. 
The Smilo Cancer Hospital Survivorship Clinic focuses on providing guidance and direction to empower survivors to take steps to maximize their health, quality of life, and longevity. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Claudine Mori. We're learning about her journey with breast cancer. And Claudine, we were right at the part of the story where you had just come to see your breast surgeon, and you gave us a lot of good advice on what people should remember when they're going to see their doctor at that first initial appointment um, after you've been given the diagnosis of breast cancer. So tell us a little bit more about what you learned that day. How big was your cancer? What was the stage? What decisions did you have to make? And what was the pathway forward in terms of your decision making at that point? So we thought we had caught it very early. So you had given me my options. Um, You explained that having estrogen progesterone positive was very good because it was one of the most common and treatable cancers. Um, And it was ductal, which was another, you explained was another good thing. So I felt like, okay, I have that on my side. Um, And you started to also explain because I was 42 years old, we started to talk about risk factors of recurrence. And, um, there was a formula that you had kind of explained. And to me, I don't remember the exact percentage that you said, but whatever the percentage was to me, it was too high of a recurrence. Um, the younger you are, the longer you live, the more probable of a recurrence. So, um, quite frankly, I said, "Mm, okay, this is, I'm going to make this the (laughs) the first and last time I go through this. So you had explained my options. I could have a lumpectomy. I could have a single mastectomy, or I could have a double mastectomy because of where we lived. Um, It didn't matter if I didn't have cancer in my other breast. I had the option to, if I wanted to, I could get a double mastectomy. And uh, that was my choice. Um, A very close dear friend and coworker had gone through breast cancer the year before me and she had opted to have a single mastectomy. And I remember in my mind saying, Hmm, I think I would have just opted for the double because I wouldn't want the fear of it potentially coming back in my other breast. And I didn't want that hanging over my head. And that's what I said to myself in 2013 when she was going through it. So I'm sitting there in the room with you and these are my options given to me. And I said, how do I not go with what I questioned a year ago for somebody else? And, um, you know, my husband was with me and although he really wasn't, um, you know, he just looked at me and said, the answer, you know, the decision is yours. I said, well, I think I'd like to proceed with the double mastectomy. And we kind of, you said, okay. And you said, listen, you can change your mind at any time um, before your surgery happens. Uh, I signed the paperwork and you said, someone will call me with an appointment for the next surgery date. And um, my husband and I walked out of there and 
I just looked at him and I said, that's too high of a risk for me. And he said, quite frankly, I agree with you. And he said, I will stand behind whatever decision you make. The decision is yours. He said, but I think you're making the right decision. And so I want to just stop you there for one second, um, because I think that there's a couple of points that I want to you know, kind of amplify here. And one is, and and you talk about this all the time too, is surrounding yourself with a really supportive tribe. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> well, I will tell you this. I never realized how much support I had until I had breast cancer. Um, I, I was absolutely amazed. I had my family. Um, and unfortunately I decided to not tell my mother and my father. So I didn't tell my mother until, um, a a week before my surgery, I told my brother, I just didn't think my mom could at the time, what was she was dealing with? I didn't feel like she could, I didn't want to give her too much time to dwell on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and my father's wife had just been, she was also going through cancer. Um, and she was in the hospital at the time. Um, she was not having a, um, um, she wasn't doing well and they had just lost their dog. So I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to be the third shoe that drops. Yeah. And I just couldn't do that to them. So, and they lived in Florida. So I really was, was, I had my husband, um, I had my daughter and who was a, away at college at the time. Um, and I had his family and and then I had my friends. So it's really, really good if you can grab someone to go with you um, to these appointments. And there are many, many, many appointments. Um, so, you know, I always felt like you, my Yale, my Smilo doctors and nurses, you were like my family. You were like my second family for a while. And it, I mean, I love it when I see a spouse, a partner, a friend, whatever, saying, listen, whatever is your decision, I'm there for you. I support you. You know, it, it's fine if you want to ask their opinion and they tell you, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I do the same thing. But even otherwise, it's so nice to just know that, that they're supporting you in that, in that decision. Um, so, so that's so critical. Support is definitely key. Yeah. And so you had kind of decided that you were going to do double mastectomies. And so did you go and see the plastic surgeon next? I did. I actually interviewed two. Um, I went to one that was recommended. I believe um, you had recommended him. And I also, and I also made another appointment to see someone else that uh, other people had gone to that had had uh, positive recommendations about. And I interviewed them. Yeah. And that's why I say to people, you go and interview your doctors. You do not have to just go with who they tell you. Exactly. Um, and because these people you are with for a long time, it's not just a, you know, one trip and you're done. It, it's a relationship and you really need to be comfortable with these people. So, um, and let me tell you, talk about a stark contrast in interviews. Um, I mean, completely different doctors and, um, I think I, 
Dorothy, I had the same person go to both uh, appointments with me. They were on different days. Um, so she got the same information, heard the same information, uh, kind of got the same vibe that I did. And it was hands down. We knew exactly who the doctor was going to be. Yeah. And, um, and that's why I say to anyone, trust your gut. If totally. You get, if you get something, if you get it, there's energy is energy. You feel someone's energy, you know, when it jives with yours and you know, when it doesn't. So trust that feeling. It is so critical in every aspect of life. So, um, so yes. So yeah. I, I had you and my breast, uh, my restrict, I'm sorry, my, um, Reconstructive surgeon. Yes, my reconstructive surgeon. Was yeah, selected, and, and that's so so important, right? Is is you've got to make sure that that it's a relationship that clicks, right? Because these are long term relationships, and Correct. and I love the concept of you know interviewing people, getting a second opinion. If you're if you're going to buy a car, you you test drive a couple of cars before you make a decision. You know, you, you look at a couple of houses before you buy a house. This is this is your your life and your body. And it's important that you, you know, put the same effort into finding the team that's right for you. Exactly. And so was surgery the next thing that happened? Yes. Um, three weeks later, I had an appointment to uh, have my surgery. And so what was that like? I mean, what was it like waking up the day of surgery and knowing <laughs> today's like the big day? Oh my God. So <laughs> my, this is, this is crazy. So my brother, um, my brother came. So my brother lives on Long Island. My family lives in Long Island. My brother came the night before and stayed over. He wanted to be with us, with me, um, and keep Jim company while I was in surgery. And, um, so the morning, you know, the, the, the day comes, it's August 28th, 2014. And I think my surgery was scheduled for 11 AM. And it was the day that there was a fatal accident on 95. Oh no. And someone, a friend, two friends had texted me saying that, um, hey, just a heads up, traffic is really bad. The highway's closed. And where is it? It's at Long Wharf. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't see that text until I was ready to leave. Well, let me just tell you, Yale is only a 15-minute drive from my house. But that day, it was an hour and a half. <laughs> so when I tell you, and and I literally felt like I was in Grand Theft Auto, okay? So I'm we are trying to get to Yale and we literally hit a roadblock every single turn we made. Now, like an idiot, I left my phone at home. No, to, yeah, I left my phone at home because I'm like, oh, I don't need my phone. Didn't give Jim, Jim didn't have my brother's cell phone number. I didn't exchange. So my brother's just following us. So, you know, and Jim has to go all these back roads and we think my brother is behind me the whole time. And I'm calling Yale, trying to tell them that I'm going to be late. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm late to my surgery. Like late is kind of my middle name. And Jim always makes fun of me. Um, but I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how could this be happening? And it was literally like every turn we made, like, it was like the, um, 
the person came up in the video game with the, with like the, the stop. And it, it was just, it was, if you were watching it, you would think it was hysterical. And we finally get to, uh, the air rights garage and we think my brother is behind me and the car drives right by us. And I go, Oh my God, that wasn't my brother. <sighs> we have no idea where he is. So I ran into, to the hospital. Um, my blood pressure was through the roof. Um, I hadn't been able to drink because of course, you know, so I'm dehydrated. Of course, it comes time to for Dr. Ao to find my vein to put the IV in. Couldn't find one because the blood pressure is up. Um, dehydration. He had to go through my hand. It was so, yeah. So that was not fun. <laughs> Claudine Mori is a breast cancer survivor. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu. And past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at YaleCancerCenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital and AstraZeneca.